48K News. It's one o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. The headlines, an infectious disease expert says the SAR could start talks on reviving cross-border travel if it reaches the goal of no untraceable local coronavirus infections for 28 days. The Liberal Party says the government should hold off on plans to increase the number of statutory holidays for blue-collar workers until the economy improves. And a group that organises events to remember the Tiananmen Square massacre says it's not hopeful of being granted permission this year. An infectious disease expert says Hong Kong can start talks on resuming cross-border travel if it reaches the goal of no untraceable local coronavirus infections for 28 days. Today, authorities will retest a four-year-old boy to see whether he was a false positive, meaning it would have been 26 days with no untraceable cases. Francis Sitt reports. Respiratory disease doctor Lun Chi Chu said Hong Kong could soon achieve a zero infections goal. And while a few transmission chains may still remain, these should impose a problem if contact tracing of cases is done well. He also noted that linked infections in the past two weeks were found during quarantine, with no risk of spreading in the community. While authorities still have to be aware of risks from imported cases, especially with the surge in cases in Taiwan, Dr. Lan said talks could start on reviving cross-border travel. But he said authorities still need to check on a confirmed case in Shanghai over a man who flew in from Hong Kong and whether he caught the virus while he was in hotel quarantine. The first person to face trial under the national security law has lost his bid to overturn prosecutors' decision to deny him a trial by jury. The High Court has refused to grant leave for a judicial review, saying his grounds are not reasonably arguable. Francis Sitt has that story as well. Tong Yen Kid, who is 24, is facing charges of terrorism and inciting secession for allegedly driving his motorbike into a crowd of police officers while flying a protest flag on July the 1st last year. Government prosecutors said there cannot be a jury for his trial for the protection and personal safety of jurors and their family members. But the defense argued that the government's failure to accord procedural fairness made the decision unconstitutional, as protections offered by the basic law were removed when Mr. Tong wasn't given adequate grounds for the decision or a chance to respond. In his ruling, National Security Judge Alex Lee agreed with prosecutors that an indictment doesn't give defendants the constitutional right to a jury trial. He also agreed that there is no requirement for the Secretary for Justice to inform and hear from the defendant before the decision was made. Mr. Tong's trial, which starts on June the 23rd, will be heard by three National Security Judges. The Liberal Party says the government should delay moves to increase statutory holidays for blue-collar workers for at least a couple of years until the local economy has improved. Party leader Felix Chung also says the government should delay abolishing the MPF offsetting mechanism, which allows employers to use part of a workers' pension fund as their severance pay. He said Hong Kong had faced tough economic times for the past few years and it wasn't the right time to increase the burden on employers. He said the party would propose amendments to bills currently being discussed by lawmakers. We do not mind to give more benefit to our employees. As long as the economy is good, everybody knows that we're making profits. But now, Hong Kong is, actually, the whole world is having depressions. So how can we afford to pay more? And you have to know, this is not the only statutory for the benefit of the employee. The government is saying that next year, the mechanism of offsetting the MPF will be coming, and they're going to abolish that. I mean, that will be another burden for the employer. 
The group that regularly organises events to remember the Tiananmen Square massacre says it's not hopeful of being granted permission. The Hong Kong Alliance, in support of patriotic democratic movements of China, will meet police this afternoon to discuss holding a march on the last Sunday of this month. There'll be another meeting on Tuesday to discuss a candlelight vigil for June the 4th, despite the government saying it doesn't want one in Victoria Park because of pandemic restrictions. The Alliance's Vice Chairwoman Chow Hung Tong told RTHK the group would follow social distancing guidelines. We are willing to comply with all reasonable measures to protect the participants against the COVID situation, like social distancing measures like masks, or even crowd control measures that people can come in and go out in a stream or anything. So we are open to discussion, but we will have to see what the police proposal agreed. Former Democratic Party lawmaker Fred Lee says it's unusual to see so few people declare their intention to run in the chief executive elections, given that the elections are less than a year away. Mr Lee was speaking on the RTHK radio programme Backchat this morning, where the subject of discussion was whether or not former CE CY Leung would throw his hat into the ring again. Mr Lee said he thinks Mr Leung would try to run again and added that aside from current CE Carrie Lam possibly running for a second term, it was unusual to not hear echoes of other possible contenders, given the elections are set to take place in March 2022. In the past, all the possible candidates, shadow candidates, already come out quite early. This time is pretty rare. I observed so many elections before and this is really the first time. Only one, you know, Carrie Lam, the one everybody say she's like to seek for another term. But who else? Any other alternative candidates in the society, in the community? I put my years on and, and nothing hurt. The High Court has begun hearing a judicial review on revealing the identity of teachers found guilty of professional misconduct over the anti-government protests. Lawyers representing 803 Funds, a group founded by former Chief Executive C.Y. Leung, said parents have the right to know if schools retain these teachers. They added that the Education Bureau was wrong to assume the information was confidential and didn't try to seek consent to disclose it, saying some teachers who think they are victimised may think of their misconduct as a badge of honour. Turning overseas, the Democratic-controlled U.S. House of Representatives has voted in favour of establishing a commission to investigate the storming of the Capitol on January the 6th. A significant number of Republicans voted in favour of the proposal, but the party's leaders in both houses are opposed, and the legislation is unlikely to pass the Senate. Five people were killed when Trump supporters stormed the Capitol to try to prevent the Electoral College confirming Joe Biden's election victory. The Democratic Congressman Tim Ryan accused House Republicans of lacking bipartisan spirit. We have people scaling the Capitol, hitting the Capitol Police with lead pipes across the head, and we can't get bipartisanship. What else has to happen in this country? Cops! This is a slap in the face to every rank-and-file cop in the United States. If we're going to take on China, if we're going to rebuild the country, if we're going to reverse climate change, we need two political parties in this country that are both living in reality, and you ain't one of them. The Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov says his first meeting with the US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has been constructive. The two men held almost two hours of talks in Iceland. Mr Blinken raised Washington's deep concerns at Russian troop deployments in Ukraine, the need for continued humanitarian access to Syrian refugees and the health of the Russian opposition activist Alexei Navalny. Mr Lavrov said that the two countries' presidents had agreed on the need to cooperate on issues where they had similar views. 
We greatly diverge when it comes to our assessments of international situations and our approaches towards how we should resolve them. Our position is clear. We are prepared to discuss all issues on the table with the understanding that our discussions will be honest, factual and mutually respectful. Our task is to make the best of the diplomatic opportunities we have, and we are glad to see you are demonstrating such an approach. You can always rely on us to respond mutually to such intentions. Mr Blinken said if the two countries work together, the world will be more secure. If Russia acts aggressively against us, uh, our partners, uh, our allies, we'll, we'll respond. But having said that, there are many areas where our uh, interests intersect and overlap, and we believe that uh, we can work together and indeed build on those interests, uh, whether it is dealing with uh, COVID-19 uh, and the pandemic, combating climate change, dealing with the uh, nuclear programs in Iran and uh, North Korea, uh, Afghanistan. Uh, there are many areas of intersecting interests. Donald Trump has reacted angrily to the news that an inquiry into his business dealings by the New York Attorney General was now a criminal rather than civil investigation. The former president said he was being unfairly attacked and abused. Mr Trump's company has been under investigation over alleged tax fraud and falsification of business records. But the details are sketchy. Here's the BBC's Gary O'Donoghue. We know that, for example, one of the things that they both seem to be looking into, the Attorney General and the, the DA in Manhattan, is the question of the way in which the Trump Organization used its assets, particularly to raise loans. In the one case, did it overvalue those assets and use as security against loans? And when it came to offsetting taxes, did it to undervalue them? So there's that sort of question, which is why a lot of their investigations, particularly in Manhattan, are focused on Alan Weaselberg, who is the chief financial officer for the Trump Organization for many, many years, and has at various points had to cooperate with prosecutors. Scientists say fires which lie hidden under the winter snow in the northern hemisphere and come to life in hotter weather could become more common because of climate change. The so-called zombie fires still account for less than 1% of fires in the Earth's northernmost forests. But the researchers found that rising summer temperatures allowed intense fires to burrow deeper into the peaty soil, where they smolder throughout the winter before igniting above ground when warmer weather returns. The study was based on a study of burning seasons in Alaska and Canada's northwest territories over 17 years. To finance news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,395. That's 214 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $99 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.12 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 21 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 95 cents. To sport, and we start with football. Liverpool have climbed into the English Premier League's top four with a 3-0 win at Burnley. The Reds now find themselves in a Champions League place with one game remaining. Man Manager Jurgen Klopp praised his players for stepping up for such an important game. That's what we deserve, what the boys deserve today, because it was a top, top, top performance. You cannot um, give no chance away against Burnley because of the physicality and the way they play, and each set piece is an incredible challenge for us. Um, they wanted, obviously, to go for our centre-halves. The boys did <laughs> outstandingly well. West Ham stayed on course for European football with a 3-1 win at relegated West Brom. Manager David Moyes needs one point from the final game to get West Ham into the Europa League. I think any European football, if you'd given us it, you know, whatever it would have been, 
it's a beauty of competition. I think we'd have played in anything uh, if you given us it at West Ham. But overall, you know, we've earned it this year. But you know, we, we've got a bit to do yet. We've got one more game to go. Tottenham threw away the chance to play in Europe next season as they blew a lead and lost 2-1 at home to Aston Villa. A win would have secured a place in the Europa League for Spurs, who started the day in sixth. Interim boss Ryan Mason says he understands the fans' frustration. Players are disappointed. It's an emotional game. We wanted to win. We didn't, we didn't do that. It's our last home game. So I understand them being disappointed. I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated with the performance at times. More disappointed that we, we couldn't win the game and give the fans what they wanted. So, yeah, in terms of them being disappointed, not a problem at all. Everton kept their hopes of European football alive with a 1-0 home win against Wolves. Arsenal scored twice in injury time to beat Crystal Palace 3-1, denying Roy Hodgson a final home win in charge of the Eagles. Hodgson will leave Palace when his contract expires at the end of the season and was disappointed he wasn't able to sign off with a win at Selhurst Park. I'm really happy for the reception, really, really pleased with the way everyone has, has treated me, you know, in the press conferences yesterday and, and the match here tonight, so I suppose I should be very grateful for that. But there's a, a tinge of sadness that we couldn't send the fans away happy with the, with the result. The American sprinter and civil rights activist Lee Evans has died, aged 74. He was the first man to run 400 metres in under 44 seconds in the Olympic final at the 1968 Mexico City Games. Here's the BBC's Julian Bedford. The 68 Olympics came at the height of the black power movement and black American athletes at the Games made their sympathies clear. Days after Tommy Smith and John Carlos had been sent home for their clenched fist salutes as they received their medals for the 200 metres, Lee Evans won the 400 in a world record time. A team official warned him not to pull a similar stunt, but the champion took to the podium in a black beret, a nod to the dress code of the militant political organisation, the Black Panthers. In basketball, the LA Lakers have edged the Golden State Warriors 103-100 to in a one-game showdown for a place in the first round of the playoffs. The Lakers get the seventh seed in the West and will face the second-seeded Phoenix Suns in the first round. The Memphis Grizzlies held on to beat the San Antonio Spurs by 100-96 to in the playing game and they will play the Warriors. The winner there will get the eighth seed. On the ice, Canadian teams have had their first taste of this year's NHL playoffs as the Edmonton Oilers lost 4-1 to the visiting Winnipeg Jets in Game 1. Elsewhere, the Boston Bruins beat the Washington Capitals 3-2 and lead that series 2-1. Favourites, the Carolina Panthers, beat the Nashville Predators 3-0 and they lead their series by 2-0. To end the news, the top story once again, an infectious disease expert says the SAR could start talks on reviving cross-border travel if it reaches the goal of no untraceable local COVID cases for 28 days. And that's the news and sport from RTHK.
welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. Thursday, the 20th of May is today's date. Hope you all enjoyed your holiday yesterday, if you had the day off yesterday. <laughs> I keep thinking today is a Monday, but that's my own sort of age setting in, I suppose. Well, I hope you all had a great Wednesday off, and today is Thursday, the 20th of May. Many thanks once again to Phil for the morning brew today, and we sure have a busy show for you this afternoon. We're going to start today's show by chatting with Andrew Dembina for this week's Artsing Around. He'll be joining us in about 10 minutes or so. And after the 2 o'clock news, um, it's Thursday and we usually have Sadia, but we're actually making, and we will have Sadia after the 2.30 news, but her usual 2 o'clock slot, we're giving it away to some award 